Welcome to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. Each week, we'll be bringing you conversations about the mission of the Salvation Army right here in East Tennessee. For more information about the show and the work the Salvation Army is doing here in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org forward slash BTS. Or you can visit SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. We are going to be talking with Christy Willingham and Kent Jones. Christy? Hello. Kent? Good morning. Very nice to meet you two, as though I'm meeting you for the first time. I'm not really. I, I know these folks. I work with them every day, and they do a fantastic job. A lot of great work here at the Salvation Army, and there's a lot uh, that happens at the Salvation Army that many of us uh, don't know about. If we're on the outside and we've never been involved with the Salvation Army, we don't really know what all happens here. One of the things that people don't know about the Salvation Army is that we are a church. Uh, the Salvation Army, they have church services here every Sunday morning, um, and uh, I can't remember the times. <laughs> so we're, we'll get that to you. It's on our website, uh, SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. You can check it out there and find out what our church service times are on Sunday. Also on Wednesday night, we have a Bible study on Wednesday night as well. Uh, but there are a lot of other things that happens within the women's shelter and the men's shelter. We're located at 409 North Broadway in downtown Knoxville. And uh, we're going to start right off here with Christy, and we're going to talk to her just a little bit. First of all, Christy, um, how long have you been a program manager? Actually, you know what? Let's start with how long have you been at the Salvation Army? Let's start off with that. I've been working for the Salvation Army for um, nine years. October 31st will be nine nine years. And I've been a program manager for about a year. Okay. And what did you do before you were a program manager? Uh, I've directly before I was a lead case management specialist. Um, okay. and be, I started out as a temporary worker, uh, okay. a, uh, um, a supervisor for the angel tree warehouse. Okay. And I just went from there to, um, residential aid and then case worker and then lead case manager, lead case manager specialist, and yeah. then now program manager. Wow, so that's uh, that's an interesting path you took there. You started out just part-time working with Angel Tree. We talked a lot about Angel Tree on last week's episode, um, and a lot of people are familiar with that program uh, and, and help out with that, but many people don't know that it's the Salvation Army that actually uh, launched that program and runs that program. So that's really cool. Um, well, anyways, okay, so you're a program manager now, and you have been for about a year, you said. Uh, tell me, what is a program manager? Uh, we... Basically, <laughs> well, we um, we manage the the shelters that we're over. I'm yeah. over the women's programs, so mm-hmm. we manage a shelter um, for women with children who are either fleeing domestic violence or homeless, and then we manage a um, a shelter for single women who are fleeing domestic violence. Okay, and then I supervise a staff. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about the programs that you have that uh, that you currently use. And first of all, you know what? Before we do that, how many women do you have in your shelter currently, just approximately? Uh, currently, we have, including the children, mm-hmm. uh, 42 total. 42. Okay. Is that pretty common? I mean, is, that a, is that a pretty firm number like all the time? I know it's not the same people all the time, but. Um, the women's shelters stay pretty full the the especially the women with children mm-hmm. um the single women's unit sometimes uh isn't quite as full but yeah. it, here lately it has been yeah okay um well when you when you take people in to these programs is it with the idea that they're going to 
be working and you know kind of progressing to their own uh, to their own housing at some point, like permanent housing. Is that kind of what we're doing here? Yeah, we follow a housing first model. So we our first primary goal is to get them housed, um, and then we work through other through other uh, issues and things that they're working on. Okay. Um, within probably 48 hours of coming into the shelter, we've got them signed up for housing. Okay. And when it comes to now, just the shelter, the women's shelter specifically also has a, um, a domestic violence shelter or DV shelter. So many of, okay. of these ladies are actually coming from a, a, a home that's a violent home or a violent situation. Um, do you have any, uh, is there any one case that kind of stands out to you if you had to pick one that was kind of a success story for you what would you you know uh, what would you say to that um yeah well I've had many but the um the one that sticks out right now most is a young lady who came here from uh Chattanooga she was fleeing a domestic violence situation and she um she also had addiction issues and um she came here to escape that there, Mm -hmm. but she had burned so many bridges with her family and just had so much going on that it took her probably a little over a year to get everything back together. But once she did, she was able to move out into housing and, and she actually repaired the bridges with her family and was able to move back to Chattanooga so she could be close to her elderly mother. So she was definitely a a success story, I okay. would consider. Wow. Well, def- definitely. And uh, are you uh, are you satisfied with the way the programs are right now? Or are there things that you would improve or that you're working on to improve? We are always growing. We are always trying to find better ways to yeah. serve people. Um, I know we, we've got the new programs coming up. Uh, well, Pathway of Hope is not a new program, but it's sort of new to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a program that is um, – starting to take off and mm-hmm. it's it's um a program designed to help families who have maybe come through not necessarily but maybe come through the shelter they've gotten housing and now we want to help them take that next step to break that cycle of poverty so that for their children and mm-hmm. the future generations yeah okay excellent um and i'm i'm i know that we uh, what what the, the people that stay in the shelter the ladies that stay here um, do they, uh, do they have to go hunt their own food and stuff like that or? No, um, <laughs> well, well, we do help them, uh, sign up for food stamps if they're in the program, but they also, we also serve meals here. Okay. So, and we serve, is it three meals a day or? Yes. Okay. Wow. So that's great. So we're, we're, we're helping them transition to their own housing. Uh, we're getting them and sometimes out of very difficult and sometimes violent situations, um, and so uh, there's many things like that that are happening here at the Salvation Army that we may not know about. Now, Kent, uh, you were at uh, the men's shelter doing pretty much a similar job that Christy's doing at the women's shelter. Sure. Uh, so approximately how many men do you have in the men's shelter right now? As of today, 68. 68. Um, and that is a three-floor facility. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm uh, – well, first of all, Kent, let's just – Let's let's step back just a minute because we didn't actually do a very good job of introducing you here. How long have you been in the Knoxville area? I've lived my whole life in East Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. All right. And in in doing that, and, and kind of mostly in Knoxville, right? 
or at least in the surrounding area? In the surrounding area. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you get in trouble with the law, Kent? I'm kidding. I, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> not, not. You just you look kind of like, you know, you might have gotten into some trouble. Um, so, so how long have you been at the Salvation Army? I've been at the Salvation Army September 8th. Okay. Is my eighth year. September 8th is your eighth year. Okay. Well, Christy's been here nine years. You've been here eight years. Uh, that's, uh, wow. And how did you get started with the Salvation Army? I was actually doing um, residential programs in another life. Um, before I came here, uh, I did that for about 10 years. Okay. Um, I saw this uh, position advertised and I checked it out and here I am. Okay. Um, well, after being here, uh, tell me a little bit about the programs that you guys manage in the the men's shelter. So I'm going to start with, um, the DV because that's what, uh, Christy was talking about. We also have, um, DV, a DV program for men okay. as well, uh, which a lot of people don't think that men um, necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are cases out there, whether they are um, financially abused or maybe if it's a young person, their parents have abused them or whatever. But we do have a DV program for men as well. Okay. And it's tied in very tightly with Christie's. Um, okay. So... Um, but other than that, we have um, an emergency shelter. Um, it's very uh, fairly small. Um, there's uh, 12 beds in the, in the emergency shelter. And then we have Bridge of Hope, which is um, a 41-bed um, program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So, so within that 68 um, right. or 41 so within that, mm-hmm. um, the the breakdown is that we're we're at capacity or over capacity, mm-hmm. and we have been for the last three to four months. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And it, so, any time a bed becomes available, it's almost immediately filled. Almost immediately, there are knocks on the doors, the phone rings off the hook, all day long. Okay. <laughs> for people seeking, uh, for men seeking uh, a space in our facility. Yeah. And um, how often do you have to to turn people away? I mean, and it's got to be difficult, but how often does that happen? It is difficult because they'll walk in, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll come to the door, um, and they come to the door with their desperations. Yeah. Um, not aspirations, but desperations. Right. And uh, most of the time we're having to um, say, you know, we can put you on a waiting list. Um, That's not what they want to hear. Um, We offer some referrals of other places that they could stay. Yeah. uh, But we invite them to come back and check regularly just in case something changes um, after the day that they've hit our door. Okay. So. Wow. All right. Well, um, so I want to talk, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the domestic violence shelter specifically um, with the women's shelter and men's shelter. Uh, they are, I, I, I recognize, um, and I'm glad you brought it up, Kent, that uh, men 
can be victims in domestic violence as well. And it's not thought of most of the time, um, but it, it does happen. And so um, I want to kind of dive into that a little more, uh, but we'll do that after the break. Uh, we've got a break coming up, and uh, so uh, we want to, uh, to just break for that. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the domestic violence programs and how men are just as much victims in that as women are. But I want to dive into that just a little bit more when we come back. We're going to continue our discussion talking about the domestic violence uh, portion of those shelters, both in the women's and men's. And I'm going to start off with with Christy. Uh, We're going to start off with Christy again in this segment and talk a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit more that we don't know about the domestic violence shelter. Okay. um, Well, like Kent mentioned earlier, what was the word you used? Not despair, but... Um. Desperations. Yep. Yeah. Their desperations. They, they do come with their desperations. And when somebody's been through domestic violence or really any kind of trauma, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like water flowing through a pipe. It takes on the nature of the pipe it flows through. Right. You know, I mean, it's like if you put, um, if you take pure water and run it through a filter filled with toxic sludge, it's going to not, it's going to be polluted. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happens with somebody who's been through any kind of trauma, really. And they they come to us with those carrying those battered souls mm-hmm. and um, with every negative thought and feeling that they have. And yeah. um, they really kind of become fearful and yeah. disappointed and they give up. They feel rejected. They give up their dreams like, like Kent was mm-hmm. saying. They don't they come so broken. They've given up really everything in a way out of a way to protect themselves from feeling more pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, with that being said, let me ask you this with that, uh, knowing that, that people are coming in, there's an old expression uh, that's used when describing churches that hurting people hurt people. And do you see that, um, as a, as a common trait when, when folks are coming in from a violent situation and they've been hurt and they are hurting, do you see some of that maybe happen within that group that comes here? Yes, most definitely. Um, How do you handle those kinds of situations? Because I can't imagine it's easy. <laughs> it's not always easy. Right. You know, sometimes it can't, be, it can't be resolved and we have to part ways with one or both parties. But right. we try our best to understand and to... Um, help them work through those traumas and not, you know, because people build basically on what they're, through their experience, they start building and they build back in the wrong way. They build wrong ideas, wrong mm-hmm. thoughts about themselves and others, and they just, um, we try to try to help them work through those those traumas. And, yeah, Okay. Well, excellent. Uh, Kent, and you had mentioned before the break, you had mentioned that uh, there are men also in a domestic violence shelter here uh, at Salvation Army. Again, we're located at 409 North Broadway. So if if you are in need of help and and one of these programs that we discuss um, you think could be helpful, uh, that's where we're located. You can always find us online, too, at SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. But, Kent, you you had mentioned uh, the men that are right. victims of domestic violence. Please tell us a little bit about it. Uh, let me go back to Christy. How many how many beds do we have in that program total? Total for the single men and women yeah. is 26. 26. So I was blessed with four of those beds. Okay. For men. 
um, which is, um, you know, being insightful, of course, uh, because men do have issues either in their relationships with their spouse or maybe it's a young person that has issues with their parents, um, you know, abusive issues, but they may be just a heightened state of nonviolent family conflict Mm -hmm. um, that stagnates that individual. Um, In these cases, and and I would say in most uh, domestic violence cases, the issue is trust. Okay. Their trust has been broken. They don't know how to trust anyone. And so when they come to the men's shelter at the Salvation Army, they are um, kind of within themselves. Mm-hmm. And you try to draw them out, uh, try to make things positive for them. And I would have to say that um, with some of the gentlemen that experience domestic violence, if the first person is me that they trust, then they come to me quite often. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, to, to discuss some of their matters that they, that they need to take care of. A gentleman that came to us from Kentucky got stranded in uh, the Sevier County mm-hmm. area, could not make it to us, and by the time he got to us, I found out that he was mostly blind. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was a gentle soul, but he did not know who to trust, and he was scared to death. Wow. Um, so, you know, in building trust with him, um, we've we've gotten some of the services that he had in Kentucky transferred to Tennessee so that he could take care of his health, you know, insurance and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so some of those minor, you might call them minor, um, repairs, um, repairs a lot within them as well. Okay. Wow. That's something that like most of them come, especially with DV. I don't know about, you know, the men's shelter in general, but it, with the women, especially in DV, they're sometimes coming with the clothes on their back, not even shoes on their feet. So, wow. I mean, we have to help right. them rebuild from ground zero. Right. Identification is just an issue, especially sure. they make it so difficult, it seems, to help for them to get their identifications. And it it can be an issue sometimes. It sometimes takes longer than one yeah. would think because they can't just go there and get an ID because they don't have a social or birth certificate. Wow. And you guys have steps in place to help them do that, right? Because um, it sounds like you probably have to deal with that fairly frequently. Uh, so you probably have procedures in place to help you do that. Um, and no one is the same right? either. Okay. <laughs> so they come with, they come with their, um, their different packages that they have to, um, yeah. and barriers that they have to overcome. So um, sometimes we're learning it on the fly. And it just takes time. Okay. So what would you guys uh, say to someone who's looking to going into social, uh, social services work, uh, this type of work, uh, working with homeless, with those victimized by domestic violence? What would you say to someone that's saying, hey, I'm, I'm a young person, or I'm thinking about going into this for a career? Well, don't, all, don't both speak at once. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Jesus and a little coffee. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I would say that um, you would have to be a person that really genuinely cares about other people. Okay. There's not enough of that Mm -hmm. 
in the world anyway. Sure. Um, and it's not about the money. So you have to be able to care about others. Okay. Even, above, even above yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would add it, you, you have, you have to really find that peace that allows you to not carry everything, mm-hmm. you know, cast it on the Lord. But you, if you come into this type of work, you have to know that you're going to be absorbing everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's emotions, everyone's uh, traumas, and you have to be able to go leave here and release that, yeah. you know. That's actually an interesting topic, um, is, uh, is self-care, right. um, because you guys have a really difficult job, and as both of you have made very clear, you sometimes have to disregard yourself in order to help uh, the folks that you're here to serve, and uh, that can take a toll on you. And so um, it might be a good idea for us to talk just a little bit about self-care, how we manage that, how you guys manage the stress of this job. Um, there is a uh, there is a, a school of of classes out there called Critical Incident Stress Management. Uh, there are ministries that actually offer this type of training uh, for help in these areas for folks like yourselves, for first responders, secondary responders, and for folks that help others in need. Christy Willingham and Kent Jones. They are the program managers at the Women's and Men's Shelters, respectively. And we're actually talking about something very interesting um, that is, is actually is a throwback to something I used to do. And that's training for critical incident stress management, that kind of thing. But it's more along the lines of what we would commonly know as self-care uh, because of the, the work that they do uh, and, the, and the people that they work with, they take on a lot of emotions, a lot of pain, a lot of grieving that other people are going through. And so because of that, it can cause burnout for a lot of folks. And so there needs to be some form of self-care, some way for them to take care of themselves, Right. Uh, so tell us, uh, tell us just a little bit about what you guys do. How do you guys do that for yourselves? I think subconsciously what I do, um, I, when I first started this job, I, I lived very close to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to move about a year, two years into the job. Mm-hmm. And I chose a rural area. And I, that's, that's my sanctuary. That's where I go to, you know, let everything go, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure that, um, that I can, you know, de-stress from a day or from a week Mm -hmm. of days, (laughs) you know, uh, because this can be a very fast paced environment. Um, especially if you have a lot of men that are in the dormitory, um, or the shelter, um, during the day. Um, and how, how many men of those, are, how many of those are going to be tugging at your sleeve and saying, Hey, uh, I need this or yeah. I need that. Or what do I do in this case? And that case, and that, those are shots. I mean, yeah. those, those can wear on you. And as you stated before the break, sometimes you may be the, the one person that they've learned to trust. Correct. And so you are then the one person that they come to for things. Correct. Uh, how about you, Christy? What is your uh, self-care regimen? Well, and I would add to what Kent said, on top of our clients, we also have staff. Mm-hmm. And, and they are human and they go through things as well. And right. so they're usually coming to us 
Yeah. You know, so we take on that as well. And um, it's a blessing to be able to, but I have to, I have to pray a lot. Mm -hmm. That's one way that I de-stress. I like to swim and I like to get out in the fresh outdoors and Mm -hmm. uh, do a little bit of hiking. But um, basically I pray a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So faith is a big part. Of what it you do, really obviously, yeah. I mean, it, uh, and as we mentioned before, I mean, the Salvation Army is a church, and so we're reaching out um, uh, in the name of Christ uh, to to help folks. That's our motivation, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why we do what we do, uh, because uh, the the two things that Jesus left the disciples with were, were that that all the all the law is wrapped up in two things: that's love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. Uh, so again, so you like to get out in nature to help, you know, self care and so that you don't get burnt out and that kind of thing. And, and that's, I think a lot of people can probably uh, relate to that. I am a, uh, I like to go fishing. I don't get to do it as often as I'd like. Uh, as a matter of fact, someone asked me how many times I get out. I said, well, none. And you know, I'm, I'm going to have to cut back. So that's going to hurt. Um, so, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it can be tough sometimes to find time to, to self care and take care of yourself. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, any other programs, because we have talked a lot about the DV Shelter. Uh, we've covered that, and we've covered even self-care for you guys. Uh, but what are some other programs that we have uh, in either men's or women's shelter or both? Right. So in um, in the men's shelter, I'll just speak directly to the men's shelter. Um, we have uh, a small emergency shelter mm-hmm. um, that. Are, those are people that, with situations where they do not have to have their ID. A lot of them have lost uh, their identification. Um, so we start building from there. Um, it's, it's one of the first building blocks to, to healing the person mm-hmm. is to get their identity back. Um, and then we kind of, we really stress that they need a job. Right. A man needs a job in order to... Um, you know, keep himself busy, keep himself out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So we get them to looking into jobs um, and working as soon as they can. Okay. And then we have um, the Bridge of Hope, which is a major port of the men's shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, that program is a more residential type of uh, transitional housing mm-hmm. where the men can spend two years plus okay. um in in their same area in their room with their roommate or a cubicle or that type of thing. There's really nothing that's private. It's just okay. um, semi-private, most everything. But yeah. um, and then they pay an occupancy fee, and um, that gets them used to paying rent. Okay. Uh, while they are there, they take that time, that two years, three years maybe, to help reduce some of the barriers that they've been. Um, dealing with okay well that's uh, how about you christy what what uh, what are the programs stand out to you in women's shelter uh well i've pretty much told you about most of our programs now our our single women who are fleeing domestic violence it is a transitional housing program so they do um after they've been here 30 days they do pay an occupancy fee okay. to stay here and the uh, women with children is set up more as an emergency shelter, so it um, they stay about thirty to sixty days, whereas the other program could be up to two years. Okay, well, let me ask you this: It just occurred to me, uh, and I think I noticed, I saw this happening. Um, 
uh, was uh, how about financial training um, for individuals, whether ladies or men, um, in order to help them, you know, understand how to open up a checking account, uh, balance a budget, you know, create a budget, stick to a budget. I don't even know how to do that yet. So, (laughs) so, so what kind of training do you guys offer in that regard? Just financial training, just the basics. On one on one with the men, um, you know, I try to get them to, to do their budgeting and it, it shifts, it changes. I mean, they may get a job that pays a certain amount and they may end up getting another job that mm-hmm. pays higher right. or maybe two part-time jobs, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. So, um, but we do have classes that come in where bankers will okay. come in and teach financial literacy. Okay. Um, is there a uh, is there a particular banking institution that we work with regularly to, that offers training in that? It has varied over the years. We had TVA that came in for a while. Okay. Right now, I believe it's U.S. Bank that has been coming in and so. helping us. Okay, so uh, so these folks come in as a volunteer, uh, and they come in and, and help uh, train some of our ladies and our men that are in our shelters on how to create a budget and that kind of thing. Um, okay. Um, well, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, now you, you mentioned, uh, you did mention that, that some of these folks, um, uh, and you both touched on this, uh, that there is occupancy fees that they pay is teaching them how to learn to, you know, to pay rent, uh, and get used to, to having to pay for the place that they're staying and everything. What would you say? Um, and I'm, I'm asking you to speak professionally, uh, just ballpark because you may not know the answer to this statistically, but what would you say is the rate of success for these folks transitioning? Um, because in when people are are incarcerated, they get out, they go back to to being incarcerated. It's called recidivism. So, what would you say is the rate of success for these folks leaving here and going to their own home and staying that way and being successful there? I can't speak. For the men's, I don't know the the numbers for that one, but I know I just finished, um, we just finished our fiscal year for the programs Mm -hmm. in the women's, and they, um, it was a 92% success rate for non-recidivism, so 92% who went into housing um, stayed there for at least a year Fantastic. longer. Okay, so they go and they stay for at least a year, so we know that at least for a year they were successful in maintaining their own home, and we probably may not track them after that probably right well i said at least a year because this was the most recent okay um so it's only been a year i got you okay they're they're still housed that i know of okay okay and how about you kent yeah i mean we we try to follow them at if if you're thinking about 60 some odd men in the program Mm -hmm. currently right and then you've got those that move out into an apartment it's hard for a small staff to keep up with that but we do try to track them and we call that just a, a continuum of our care right you know for them um but i would have to say that the success rate for ours is probably in that area as well um i have seen some instances where somebody has had their apartment for a year maybe even two years and they show up and i remember them and i'm like what happened you know what happened <laughs> yeah. you know and you know, then they have some of those, um, that baggage that comes back with them. Yeah. But, um, for the most part, it's very successful. Um, everyone wants to have their own place. Right. 
you know, uh, their own little sanctuary, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, when you see, and that, that, that sparks a question, when, when you see someone return um, to the shelter and you know that they've, they've had their own housing for, for a little bit, um, do you, do you take that personally as like, like maybe, no. okay. I, Cause I don't know that, I don't know whether I would or not. I, I might actually kind of take that personally as a, as I did something, I failed here. Um, but that's, that's unfortunately my personality. I would probably take that on. Uh, but that's good because, um, ultimately, you know, we do each have to take responsibility for that kind of thing. So, uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to take another short break, and then we're going to be back in just a little bit to wrap things up. And uh, we'll uh, just kind of get a uh, last few comments from Christy and Kent when we return from the break. Uh, we have been talking with Christy Willingham and Kent Jones. I don't know why I keep wanting to call Christy I won't keep wanting to call her Karen or something, but I, I don't know if I'm thinking of Miss Karen, who also <laughs> works with you. Um, but uh, but anyway, so Christy Willingham and Kent Jones, they are both program managers uh, of the uh, women's and men's shelters here, respectively. And uh, we have been talking a lot about a lot of stuff today. And uh, we thank you again for joining us today. Um, uh, we are going to be here every Monday at 5 o'clock through the end of the year, and we are excited to be a part uh, of all of this. We want you, the listener, to understand the Salvation Army a little better, what we do, why we do it, and uh, and what motivates us. And so uh, we're going to wrap things up here. We are going to talk about, we have a couple of things here uh, just to discuss some programs that are coming up, things we want to remind you of. Kent, I'm going to let you take this first crack at it here, please. Okay. So a lot of people know us by Angel Tree mm-hmm. and the Red Kettle Campaign. Yep. Ringing the bell. All right. And um, that is not all. I mean, those are up and coming, and those are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would like I'd like to encourage the community to support the children in the area. But we also have, yeah, our um, our uh, once a year we have a fundraiser for our domestic violence programs. It's called uh, the Cup of Hope, and it's a luncheon. Um, and we usually have a, a someone who's who has gone through our programs and um, we don't, we don't call people victims of domestic violence. We call them victors because right. they have, they have um, become victorious okay. over their situations. So we have someone who um, has gone through our programs and come out victorious and she, um, she or he will speak uh, and tell his story. So we have a, a guest speaker, and it's a really great event. October is um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so okay. we have it in October. Okay. And if anyone is interested in finding out more about that Cup of Hope uh, luncheon, you can call the Salvation Army at 865-525-9401. Okay. And that number one more time, 865-525-9401. You can also check out these programs and things that we have going on and coming up on our website at uh, SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. Um, and if you happen to live in the uh, Sevierville area or if you're in the Maryville area, um, and we also have cores uh, in Sevierville and in Maryville that you can also reach out to them as well. Um, and so you can get involved locally. Just because you don't live inside Knoxville doesn't mean you can't get involved with the Salvation Army. And as Kent mentioned right away there, the the bell ringing is coming up very soon. Starting in November, uh, we are going to be registering people to ring that bell 
and help us during the what I am told is the busiest season uh, here at the Salvation Army uh, during that fundraising season. Um, do you guys have uh, have anything else you'd like to add? Anything else coming up? Well, I would like people to like us on Facebook okay. as well. That's always jumping. Yep. Um, so there's a lot posted on Facebook. Now, Kent, what do you mean by jumping? Is that a lot? A lot of things <laughs> posted. I mean, we do camps for for our clients. Um, we have a camp up in uh, Kentucky, just across the Tennessee border. And mm-hmm. uh, um, there's a lot posted there. A lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Well, now, just because I'm curious now, the camp. Can anybody go go to camp with the Salvation Army? Or is, does it have to be someone that's being as part of our programs? Well, we we extend it to to people in our programs. Okay, but I think anyone can go. Mm-hmm. Um, they put it out to those that are um, attending the church here as well, um, and some of of the other people that are like in the community, especially those with children. Mm-hmm. Um, they have great programs at the camp. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. If you have an idea for a guest or for any questions about the show, reach out to us at ron.day at uss.salvationarmy.org. Or you can visit salvationarmysoundcast.org forward slash BTS for more information.